Welcome to the Swim Strong Dry Land Podcast. We are dedicated to inspiring and educating the swimming world. Our podcast highlights the work, character, and achievements in and around the Swim Strong community. We are fired up to bring you Coach George from Yoda here today. But for, first, before we dive into your story, we are going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Let's do it, man. <laughs> All right, here we go. What is the top song on your playlist right now? Be honest. I think right now with Drake's new album coming out last week, uh, it's got to be First Person Shooter featuring J. Cole. All right. Favorite sports team? Carolina Panthers, and they're really doing me dirty <laughs> this year. <laughs> oh, man. I do feel sorry for you. Uh, what would your career be if you weren't in coaching? I would probably want to do something either athletic training or physical therapy. Awesome. And what would be your dream vacation spot? I actually took my dream vacation this past summer when uh, my family and I, we went to Greece. Oh, that's amazing. Who is the funniest person on the Yoda staff? Oh, this one's easy. It's got to be Coach Stanley. Stanley Bass. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he watches. Favorite candy bar? uh Reese's but um not the not the peanut butter cups like the the pumpkins or like the Christmas trees those are by far Ooh, the best because of the peanut butter ratio oh, yeah. right oh yeah yeah that's a good choice lastly what's your best Halloween costume you've ever had so when I was probably 10 years old I had a co it was a Scooby-Doo costume but Scooby-Doo was dressed up as a vampire so it was me dressed up as Scooby-Doo that was dressed up as a vampire, and that thing was awesome. <laughs> That's legit. I love it. And I really love the the candy bar. Uh, that was real specific. We ha haven't had an answer like that, and I, lo I love it. Um, well, we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of your background. appreciate you letting people get to know you a little bit of a di uh, the other side of the swimming thing. So, But now we're going to jump into your story. So... Um, can you just share how you got into swimming in the first place, not coaching, but just into the swimming world? Yeah. So I started swimming, my, started joining my neighborhood pool when I was eight, started doing summer league there and what, or I should say who got me into swimming is the 2008 version of Michael Phelps. And after that summer, when he won eight gold medals in Beijing, yeah. I was like, Hey, Maybe I should swim year-round. So that's when I started swimming club. I was 11 at the time, um, and I started rapidly improving. Um, so I made my first age group champs when I was 12. It was that first year. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting better and better um, until I got into high school. And that's when I was – I kind of plateaued a little bit from my freshman year until my senior year when I really started to drop some time. Um, I eventually went and swam for UNC Wilmington uh, for four years and then graduated in 2019, was team captain my senior year. And then after I graduated, I moved back to my hometown and picked up a coaching position with uh, the YMCA of Northwest North Carolina, also known mm -hmm. as Tide, and coached there for about three years, moved to the Raleigh area about a year and a half ago and i've been with yoda ever since that's awesome tell me a little bit about your so you have a pretty interesting recruiting journey 
going into college and we're in the heat of recruiting season right now. Um, any advice you would share for people in that? And then also, can you share a little bit about your story and kind of how uh, it was pretty unconventional, but also pretty cool? Yeah. So any advice is uh, first and foremost, don't rule out any D2 or D3 schools. There are a lot of good Division II and Division III schools out there. Um, and a lot of people have this mindset of, I'm going to go Division One, or I'm not going to swim at all. And for some people, if that's what you really want, that's okay. But there are a lot of schools out there that can provide you with the resources as a student athlete to help you succeed. Mm -hmm. So don't rule out those Division II and Division Three schools just because they don't have the D1 money or the D1 resources. There are a bunch of Division I schools that don't have those resources that you think of. You know, majority of the Power Five schools have it, but those are limited. So there are still a lot of division two and division three schools that are really, really good if you want to swim in college. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's good advice. I think a lot of times people have a really fixed mindset around D1, D1, D1. And there's just so many situations out there that could be better for that individual if you would open up your mind. So that's cool to hear from someone who's been through the process and um, and tell everybody about your process and what that looked like for you. Yeah, so it was it was a bit of a roller coaster my recruiting process. So <laughs> my senior year, I started looking at a couple of schools, and I really really liked the College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina. And maybe, and I wasn't planning on committing in the fall. I was planning on to fully sign in the spring if I were to sign, um, and maybe a week before signing day in the fall, I get an email from coach Bora of Carlton Charleston saying, Hey, we just got out of a meeting with our athletic department and they're going to cut our swim program. And that crushed me because Charleston was somewhere that I could swim. It was far enough from home, but not too close to home. Um, there were a lot of good things I really liked about Charleston and the fact that they were going to cut their program in the middle of my recruiting season crushed me. So after that, I kind of had to take a step back and think, okay, where else do I want to go? Cause a lot of the schools I was looking at, you know, a lot of the rosters already filled up. Now this is back in, you know, 2014 when, you know, if you committed as a junior, it was, it was an anomaly like, Whoa, you're committing to and now it's, <laughs> if you don't commit as a junior. It's too late. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as a scene going into spring semester, um, you know, I was applying to UNC Wilmington just to go to school there. And I reached out to the coaches. They're like, we already have a full class, you know, good luck in your good luck in the future. So my mindset was, okay, I'll swim through the summer of my senior year. And then if I want to swim club at Wilmington, I'll swim club that June. So this was maybe a week after I graduated, mm -hmm. I get an email from the head coach, coach Jason, giving me an opportunity to have a two week trial period during the beginning of the school year. And if he sees potential in me, he'll give me a spot on the team. I was freaking out for the rest of the summer. I wasn't even focused on my championship <laughs> meets, not even like, you know, coaching summer league. I, the only thing I wanted to do, was get myself prepared for two weeks in August and September that could literally change my life. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't have the best summer championship, best Y nationals that season. Um, but I still felt that if I was prepared enough, I was prepared enough. And if I wasn't, then it was never meant to be. Mm-hmm. So I got to campus. I was allowed to do the captain's workouts. And then because I wasn't officially on the roster, I could only practice with the team three times a week. So the other two times a week, he said, swim on your own. I can't give you anything. You got to swim on your own. So then I would reach out to my old club coach, say, hey, give me something. I'll go swim at the rec. So I did that because I just want I wanted to show this guy, hey, you can trust me. Two weeks go by and I get a call saying, hey, meet me in my office Monday morning at 930. So that's when I knew it was getting real. Like okay, <laughs> this, this is this is either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. And then eventually he said, hey, you're one of the hardest trainers I've ever seen in my life. Um, when I tell you to swim through a wall, you literally swim through a wall Um and so we're going to give you a spot on the team as a walk-on. That's and awesome. I have never been so more relieved in my life. And for the next four years, I scored that conference all four years. I made the top 10 list in three different events. And I was named team captain my senior year. So to anyone who doesn't think that they can't, swimming college, starting at the bottom and working their way up. I'm living proof that you can. That's awesome. That's a legit story. Goosebumps, even you telling it, thinking about that whole journey and process and having your dream school taken away, thinking, oh, I guess I'm just I'm just not going to swim in college. It's not meant to be Uh, then having the opportunity to walk on. I think a lot of times people would maybe just be like, ah, they just shrug at that. Like, uh, there's no point. And your mindset was exactly the opposite. And there's a, I think, would you say, I, I don't want to put words into your mouth. It sounds like there's just like a love for the sport. That was the reason, right? The driving force behind all of that was that you just loved it. Um, would you say that's accurate or were there other things too, that gave you that type of drive to go from essentially start from the bottom and now you're here. Oh, it's definitely the love of the sport. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of sports. The only other one that I can think of is gymnastics where you have, if you don't practice every day or at least bare minimum four times a week, you're falling behind. You know, football, basketball, baseball, you could practice twice a week and be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. <laughs> with so you have, there has to be some sort of love for the sport in order to get that preparation, in order to have that motivation just to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you can hear it. And I hope for any athletes watching, that's an awesome story to remember. If you do love the sport, there's a path for you that you can carve if you're willing to not give up and be consistent and work hard. It's cool that the walk on on the team was the hardest worker on the team. And coaches notice that, you know, they, they see that um, when you're training. So, if even if you can't get on a team initially, just volunteer to be a manager on the team and practice when they'll let you, right? Just to get just let them see you and be around them. And um, but anyway, that's a really cool story. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm wondering how that has now fueled you as a coach. So what was your decision to go from 
So you graduate college, finish as a team captain, and then and then what? Were you thinking that you would, you mentioned another career you might be doing would be like athletic training or PT. Were you thinking that's the route you were going to go? Did you know you wanted to be a swim coach? How did that happen? So when I moved back, um, when I moved back to my hometown, the, uh, the job was kind of, was just offered to me for coaching. And I, so I majored in exercise science while at UNC Wilmington and, you know, being a varsity athlete, I kind of now understand why, you know, swimmers do certain things a certain way and how, you know, periodization works and everything that Brian talked about in his podcast, I understood just about every single part of it. Um, so the swimming, so being a coach, I wouldn't necessarily say it was my first choice because, you know, physical therapy, athletic training, that is something that I, you know, thought about doing, mm-hmm. but I think with coaching at the end of the day, you're impacting, a, I think a lot more people because you spend more time with them. You know, if you're an athletic trainer, if you're a physical therapist, you might see that person, you know, on a, if, if they really need the help, you'll see them twice a week for a few months. And then that's it. Where as a coach, you see these kids every day for a year, two, three, some of them four or mm-hmm. more years. Um, it was actually really funny when I was coaching at tide the seniors there were swimming on tide when they were like 11 or 12 years old when i was a senior and i already <laughs> knew them so it's just it's it's cool to see that come full circle so for sure so i so i think coaching ended up being my calling once i finally got into it and i really got into it mm-hmm. yeah the more you develop the relationships and started to realize what the day-to-day actually looked like Yep. Um, well, and then now being at Yoda, which is YMCA of the Triangle area for, for anybody who doesn't know what that stands for. Um, what did that transition look like moving from Tide to Yoda and the um, move that you made? And what, how has that transition been from not having experiences with two different uh, club teams, which we love both of them and actually have the privilege of working with both of them uh, in the Swim Strong family? And just um, tell me a little bit about the the change there for you and what that was like. So it was a very, very big chain. Um, if you are in the state of North Carolina, you know the purple people. You know <laughs> YMCA, the Triangle area. Um, and, you know, being a swimmer growing up in North Carolina, Yoda was always, you know, a team that was there. You could always hear them. You knew you <laughs> felt their presence on deck. So when I got the opportunity to come and coach the senior group over here. Um, I may have thought about it for 20 minutes, if that, and that was more of, all right, well, can I find an apartment that's reasonable <laughs> with rent? <laughs> um, the big, the biggest differences between Tide and Yoda, obviously a lot, a lot of great things about both programs. Um with Yoda, though, because we cover such a large amount of space from Chapel Hill all the way close to Wake Forest, North Carolina, that's probably about a 45-minute drive at least. Um, with our senior groups, there's two different sides. There's mm-hmm. an east side, a Raleigh side, and then there's a west side, which is Durham and Chapel Hill. 
Mm-hmm. And even though we, even though the swimmers are the same speed and same level, they don't train together all the time. So that was one thing that I had to get used to. And, but then eventually we start going to meets together. Now, you know, some Saturday practices will combine our senior groups. That way they can see each other. And that's how Yoda has started to develop this really big family. Mm-hmm. Um, where with Tide, everyone was on the same level. You trained together, and that's how you became the family. So it's a little bit different. I think in both instances, you know, family is still there. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And can you t- actually, that is something that I've noticed from day one um, working with. Yoda is the connection that everybody has, even though there are multiple sites, multiple locations. Um, and something that I think is cool, shout out to Tide and Yoda. You guys actually did a um, leadership camp together. And I think that's a little more rare, actually a, a lot rare in club swimming for teams in the same state area to be supportive of each other. Um, and... So I think that's something unique and, you know, in different states, I've heard North Carolina too is particularly competitive um, and and can be kind of cutthroat, but you guys are, you know, partnering with other teams and doing a leadership camp and supporting each other and wanting to see each other be successful. And that's something that I absolutely love because I think you're always going to be more successful when you're, you know, linking arms with other people in the swim community to try to bring out the best of the coaches, the best of the kids and the parents, families, all of that. But what, how did that happen? Like, that's not something that you hear about typically people doing things like that together, especially in competitive swim States. Where does that mindset come from, from, from both teams? Yeah. Um, actually this year, this past September was only the second time we've ever done it. So before that it was just a Yoda thing. And actually, when I got here, you know, a couple months later, that's when we had our leadership camp. And that's when, you know, we had a lot of other teams, a lot of our Y teams from North Carolina come participate with us. And I think it all started with potentially, I don't know, because I wasn't involved with the process of, you know, inviting these other teams, but at YMCA Nationals, And I know it's not just us. I think New Jersey also does it. But all the YMCA's in that said state, they all wear the same shirt. Mm -hmm. So there's that sense of unification, even at a meet as big as YMCA Nationals. So that comes into place. um, And then we just thought it was a good idea. Hey, let's invite some of these teams to our leadership camp. I think everyone benefits you get to meet new people. You get to do open water swim in the lake. You get to do some <laughs> swim strong dry land. And then, yeah. you know, also the, uh, the, talk, the talks that we have are beneficial for, for anyone, not just um, swimmers. But how about what, tell me more about the mindset though, of like the coaching staff is like, Hey, we want to help people from, from other teams, you know, like that's some, some people are very, uh, close chested with everything that they do like they wouldn't want to do dry land or swim sets with one another they wouldn't want to share secrets with other people and and you guys are just like come on (laughs) like let's do this Mm -hmm. together 
uh, what, where does that come from and why is that, you know, the way that you guys think? I think it's just part of the being part of the YMCA. Um, YMCA, the triangle area this, this year has had, it has the motto of all for one and one for all. So I think it's all about support, supporting one another and, you know, let's make everyone together. Let's build everyone up versus keeping everything to ourselves. That's cool. I love it. And that's something that I'm really passionate about with the swim strong program. And you guys know this, but being picky about the teams and coaches that we work with, because we want people like that who are passionate about the sport, love, um, you know, their kids and really just want to see it move forward and help other people be successful and have a more of a servant leadership mindset. And I just think that that's how we will all move forward and be as successful as we possibly can be, as opposed to being threatened by other people knowing what we know. It's like, no, no, we're actually going to make each other better. I will become a better if I'm, and this has already happened for me, like knowing you, George, like I've become better um, at what I do because I'm challenged and inspired by you. And so I just think that's something people really miss out on when they're afraid to collaborate. Um, and so I applaud you guys for doing that and, um, really taking that initiative and it's making an impact, right? And what, what is more gratifying than making an impact on more and more people that, you know, the trajectory of their life could be changed. And I think about like your story going into college swimming, like that probably came from somewhere, right? Like that, um, mindset, I'm wondering, was there anybody who maybe inspired you that helped you to have that mindset when you got to college? Did you have any coach or people in your life that took time to invest in you that did change the trajectory of your life? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, I had two major coaches when I was swimming club, um, Scott Dunn and John Ravenstein. Um, Scott, Scotty was a magician. He coached for a long time. No offense, Scotty, if you're listening. <laughs> but he he coached collegiately. He was YMCA coach of the year multiple times. Um, and he was I was a distance swimmer and he was the distance coach. So I worked a lot with him. And he the way he would interact with his athletes reminded me a lot of at least from the stories I've heard a lot of what Dean Smith did, hmm. you know, a lot of it was, I'm going to understand you. We're going to understand each other and we're going to work together to get you where you need to be. So that was, that was Scotty. And then John Ravenstein, we got, we just call him J rave, man, that's where I get my hypeness from. <laughs> that, that guy probably had a 30 inch vertical with, scream his scream his throat out it was uh, and that's that that energy is what kept me going I, think I definitely take a lot from him and put it into my own coaching style as well that's cool yeah there's always people along the way that that make an impact that people don't realize like hey when they get George, like they're also getting bits and pieces of these other coaches and people who have impacted you along the way, not just coaches, but teammates and family members and friends. And uh, there's so many people that can help shape your life. And um, that's pretty cool to hear. 
uh, that type of impact. And now I know you're having that impact on people now that, you know, 10 years from now, weird to think about if they're on this podcast one day and talking about the coaches that influence them, there'll be many people that talk about you and your energy and your passion and your care for them. And it's very evident. And I actually had the privilege of being on deck with y'all at Y Nationals this past year. And you guys were absolutely wild on deck. And it was so fun to be around. The energy was ridiculous. And it I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And the team was so welcoming. Like, you know, they had seen me on Zooms and um you know, the social media and things like that. But it was like family from day one, um, meeting people in person for the first time. And that speaks to obviously yourself and the entire Yoda coaching staff and the culture that you guys have and the amazing kids that you guys have. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. But what would you say the mindset is of the Yoda coaching staff that helps influence and build that team culture? Like what are what would be like your guys's motto or the core values that you have, or just how do you create a culture like that, especially with such a big team? Cause I think sometimes people with big teams are like, we don't with multiple sites. Like we don't really have any idea how to help grow the team culture and bond people together in that way. Cause we don't have one site. So how does that work for you guys? So I think a lot of it stems from what we do, obviously, outside of the pool. Leadership camp is one of those things where because we bring all of our senior level athletes to that camp. Um, another thing is those Saturday combined practices. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's about having a common goal. Like for us right now, we're in the middle of our We Will People annual campaign. So everyone's trying to get as many donations as they can, trying to raise money for for people to use for programs in the YMCA, the triangle that can't afford them. So cool. we all, we all understand the purpose. We understand the drive. And I think everyone having a common goal and trying to accomplish it together is what makes us so tight knit. Even if we don't see each other every day. That's cool. It's an awesome initiative too, that you guys are, are doing. Cause it's sounds like you guys focus on a lot more than I don't, hear you talking about the swim sets that you do is what bring you together and the and i'm and you guys have great sets and you work hard and all these things but you're talking about <clears throat> things that really have nothing to do with um you know their swimming in the water and but you know the sport of swimming for them is being used as a platform to make an impact um and to grow as people and um and then naturally, I think as a byproduct, you end up with some really great swimmers because you have high character people who do the right things and train really hard and push each other. And um, so I think that's really cool. Um, and you personally were the Swim Strong Dryland Coach of the Year this past year, which congrats. I'm talking to royalty right now, which is exciting <laughs> for me. Um, and so not only have you you know come into the coaching world but you've taken it by storm and the athletes that you work with um absolutely love you and i know the feeling is mutual and i'm wondering how you came to this point like what is how have you grown as a coach what steps have you taken to grow over the last i think you mentioned like five years now mm -hmm. since finishing um college what has that journey looked like how have you grown as a coach and uh, just general philosophy and trying to be the best coach you can be. So we'll backtrack a little bit. Um, 
when COVID happened and we took two months off, I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> so our head coach emailed out a lot of different options that we could do like educational webinars and all that stuff while we weren't able to practice. And I tuned into probably every single one of them. Um, that's cool. And so that's how I think. And that was, that was my first year coaching ever. Um, I wasn't even coaching senior athletes at the time I was working with age groupers and then, you know, learn and, and a lot of the educational stuff is a little bit more tailored towards senior level athletes. I, there, there definitely were some age group stuff, but I think more of it was senior level stuff. Um, we could get some more age group stuff out there. That'd be great. Um, but when we were able to come back during COVID and there weren't that many kids in the pool and, you know, it was just one, maybe two coaches on deck. And that's when I think I could be like, okay, well, there's not a whole lot of you. So I can focus on you three making sure, you know, you have a high elbow catch in your freestyle, just simple stuff like that during COVID for those three or four months where, you know, I didn't have a, to focus on a whole lot and I'm making, making all these changes. I think that's what really developed me into being a senior level coach. And then from there using um, the background that I have with exercise science, building a plan for each swimmer to lead them to be as successful as possible. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I tell the kids a lot because swimming is a brutally honest sport is I never guarantee anything. I could even say if you have a hundred percent attendance, you drink a gallon of water a day, you eat right. If you do everything correct, you still may not go best time at your championship meet, <laughs> which sucks. But unfortunately that's our sport. Mm -hmm. So I never guarantee things. What I will guarantee is we are going to try to set you up to perform as best as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think since I'm so forward with that, I think that's where a lot of kids are like, okay. Cause, cause sometimes, you know, you'll hear coaches say, Hey, if you come swim for us, we will make you this, we will get you here. We'll, right, you'll get right. that Olympic trials cut. You will make finals at trials. And then what happens if, mm -hmm. and ultimately when they don't mm -hmm. you know, so I think a lot of a lot of the trust in my coaching came from my head coach back with Tide into developing that kind of philosophy. Yeah, I think that makes sense and is a really good mindset to have because it also doesn't put a limit on anyone, right? Like right. you say, hey, I don't, you know, instead of saying, oh, you can make Olympic trials or you can make junior nationals or whatever it is. Um, you know, there's no limit. Maybe you're going to be on the podium at the Olympics one day. Like we don't, we don't really know what each athlete is capable. We have an idea as coaches, we can look and see like based on your talent, your work ethic, your mindset, the way you carry yourself. Like we have a pretty good idea of how far you can go, but you never truly know. And if someone fully invests themselves, they can surprise everybody and inspire people around them in ways that maybe we didn't even know they could do. Um, and that they didn't even know they could do. And I think that's one of the joys of, of coaching is like, well, I, 
people, I don't know if athletes believe me every time I say this, but they inspire me, I think, just as much, if not more, than than I inspire them or you inspire them. And I love watching athletes do crazy things. Um, it inspires me to be a better coach. And I'm wondering for you, what's your favorite part of coaching? Like what gets you fired up about just being on deck, being with the kids? And uh, what is that driving passion for you? So a lot of it is when the kids meet their goals. If they meet their goals, I'm pumped. Mm -hmm. And when they exceed their goals, I'm going crazy. Um, at the end of the day, when they when they eventually reach their goals, I mean, I'm always the loudest on deck. Anyone who's ever been to a yoga <laughs> meet knows they may not see me, but they'll hear me. Um, <laughs> I just I love and I love seeing my favorite, and I think a lot of coaches can relate to this. When a kid finishes their race, like, and it's a really good race, you know, the coach gets excited. And then when you see the reaction of the swimmer, you get even more excited. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I specifically remember <laughs> at a meet this past year, we had a boy. I don't think he was, he was going for his Y national cut in the 200 breaststroke, but I don't think he, I think he believed it, but I don't think he fully believed it. Mm-hmm. And then when he got it, I'm going nuts. He has no clue. He look he looks up at the clock and just starts going and he go, he goes insane. <laughs> and then he comes up to me and says, Hey, I got my why not cut. You want to jump in the pool? I was like, No. Because <laughs> I knew you could do it all along. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, yeah, that is such a joy of the sport because you do put so much work in. It's a joy to see people do things that maybe they didn't even know they could do and then i think the other side of it and that's maybe it's one of the biggest challenges of coaching but also a joy in a different way is when people don't reach their goals and that's always really difficult and um what do you do what's your kind of your message when someone just falls flat on their face um and uh as a coach like what's kind of your philosophy around that because obviously that happens a lot like you mentioned like this sport is pretty brutal so what's your message to your athletes when it's just a total flop so the first thing that i'll usually tell them to do is go swim some easy and i'll tell them you have 20 minutes you can be as mad sad disappointed frustrated whatever kind of emotion you want to feel you get 20 minutes to do that in the cool down pool. And then after that, you're not allowed to think about it or talk about it for the rest of the weekend, the day, whatever, whatever the time period is. Because if I try to talk to them at that moment, nothing will get in their head mm -hmm. because in their head, they're thinking that was awful. You know, this weekend's going to go downhill because I've, I've seen a lot of people who think like that and then they don't bounce back. But I've also seen the flip side of it where um, you'll have someone who doesn't have a great Friday, doesn't have a great Saturday, and then they crush it on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it's all about having that mentality of, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to be emotional because we're human. And mm -hmm. that's what makes us human. If, if you're never frustrated or upset about, plateauing or not going the best time or whatever, miss, missing a timestamp. If you're not emotional about that, um, 
you're not human. You know, show, showing emotions is a good thing. And I think that's where sometimes a lot, there's a lot of misconception about being frustrated and upset and mad. Um, I went four double O in the 400 IM five times. <laughs> and I never really gave myself the opportunity to be truly upset about it until it was over. Um, after I did my last ever 400 IM my senior year of college. And so I never broke that barrier that I was stuck at for four years. Hmm. Um, and I think part of it is because I never knew how it really felt. Because I, if you talk to a lot of people, I have a very optimistic mindset where, mm -hmm. you know, okay, it didn't happen, but there's always the next time. And I never let myself get emotional about it or get sad about it. So after that last one, I went up to my coach and I said, hey, give me 20 minutes. Give me 20 minutes. I'll come back. We can talk about it. And I'll still be your best cheerleader, but give me 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to a different location of the pool, screamed out a couple four-letter words, started <laughs> bawling my eyes out because I knew it was over. Mm -hmm. And um, But after those 20 minutes, I felt so much better. And then I was able to have a conversation with my coach about, you know, what went well, what could have been better. And then after that, the next day, I bounced back and went my, I mean, it wasn't a best time in my mile, but it was my second best time ever. That's awesome. So it's okay to be emotional as long as you don't let it affect you for the rest of the weekend. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice because for sure everybody is human and and thinking it's cool to hear the things that you've learned. Like, hey, if I could go back, maybe I wish I would have felt this a little earlier so I could have processed it a little more. Um, because I think people do often mistake like positivity for like, uh, oh, it didn't like what you mentioned, like, oh, it didn't happen, um, but it did, right? And you should you should feel it. And uh, okay, now what can I experience that? And then what can I learn from it? And so I've. I'm also a very optimistic, positive thinker, and I try to use, but when I'm talking about positive thinking nowadays, I try to talk about productive thinking. Like, don't let it just be like fake, fluffy optimism, uh, that type of thing. And it sounds like that's something that you've learned over time too, which I think is so valuable to be able to tell a kid like, hey, be mad, like go, but, but don't let your emotion control you. Like if your emotion controls you, like it doesn't own you, like you get to, you get to choose what you focus on, but you are allowed to feel things. And so I think that's really good advice that if people allow themselves to feel their emotions, process it, and then have a short-term memory and move forward um, and take what they can learn from it, they'll see a lot of success. And so I just think that's really insightful. So I appreciate you sharing that from personal experience. Mm -hmm. And now as a coach, um, you're obviously using that to impact people and, um, I want to wrap up here just with a question about more on the um, technical side of things in terms of like your coaching philosophy. Now you're working with senior group at Yoda and just if someone is on 
are thinking about being on the YMCA of Triangle area and progressing through and they get up to senior group of coach George, what can they expect? Like what type of training, what's your favorite type of training? What progressions do you like to take athletes through at that level? Obviously it's a lot different from um, age group coaching because um, they're at a different spot technique, uh, technique wise and development wise. So I'm sure you've learned a lot from age group to senior coaching too, but um, what's kind of your coaching philosophy um, at that senior level and, and progressions you like to take kids through? So my philosophy is always, you got to make it fun. And that's definitely something I took from age group coaching, but you know, swimming itself most of the time isn't necessarily a fun sport unless you make it fun. Mm -hmm. um, so I always try to make it fun. We'll throw in some wacky, you know, we'll do something every Friday. Um, we'll do, you know, every Saturday I let them do their own warm up, um, just just to keep things interesting. So that way it's not super constant. Um, another thing is we race every day and kids in my group know, you know, at the end of a main set or at the end of our secondary kick set, if we don't do something off the of blocks, it's because we don't have time. <laughs> so we always do something race wise at the end of every single practice, because you got to learn how to go fast when you're tired. Mm -hmm. And what I like to tell them is if you want to go fast to your championship meet, you got to learn how to go fast at an in-season meet. You want to go fast in in-season meet, you got to learn to go fast in practice. Mm -hmm. So if they're, if they're used to really going fast in practice after hopefully killing themselves during a main set, then that progression will lead to, you know, them being fully prepared to go fast at their championship meet. Mm -hmm. So racing every day, keeping it fun, um, bringing the energy. I mean, I'm going nuts the whole practice, you know, warm up. I kind of let them do their thing, let them get their, you know, all their social stuff out, talk about whatever. Some of it's really funny. So I listen in. <laughs> um, and then after warm up, you know, it's all business. And then at the end of the day, do what's best for the athlete, not what's the easiest. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of days where I can just be like, all right, we're going to go 2050s max effort on two minutes. And in my opinion, those are the lazy days because I didn't, you know, I didn't really think through a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that's more, more or less taking the easy way out. Now doing what's best is sometimes it sometimes requires more thinking, more thought process, but it works out better for the athletes. Mm -hmm. So always do, and, and all my kids know this, do what's best for you, not what's easiest. And that comes down when it comes to taper time. If you know, Hey, I'm going to be doing the mile, the 500 and the 400 IM at our championship meet. Maybe you shouldn't be doing the same taper as the sprint group, even though they're only doing 3000 yard practices and you're doing 5,000 yard practices. Mm -hmm. Do what's best for you. Not what's easiest. Mm -hmm. um, keep it light, keep it fun, bring the energy. I like it. That's awesome. It's a good motto to do what's best, not what's easiest. And as a coach and as an athlete, and I think that <laughs> that's something that will have a big impact if you actually follow that, right? If it's not something yeah, you say, sure. it's something you do. That's a, 
would be life-changing things. So, uh, well, your staff, uh, your athletes, the community is lucky to have you. We at the Swimstrong family are lucky to work with you and the entire amazing Yoda staff. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on here and sharing uh, your story and wisdom and background with everybody in Swimstrong Nation and keep up the amazing work. Hey, thanks for partnering with us. We love having you on the team, Eric. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Swimstrong Dryland podcast. If you'd like to be a part of the Swimstrong Dryland family, you can reach out to us via email or social media. You can also follow Swimstrong Dryland on YouTube and TikTok for more educational content.